Hey, Kansas City. Welcome to episode 29 of the Made in KC podcast. We are now in day 29 of the stay-at-home order. I'm Tyler Anders. I'm Keith Bradley. And I'm Thomas McIntyre. Today, we're joined by Keith's wife, Kate Bradley. We'll be talking about her personal experience thus far, and we'll gather her unique perspectives on work, family, and new routines. Well, good afternoon, Kate. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. What have you guys been up to today? We have been homeschooling. We did some homeschool out on the driveway, actually. We're taking advantage of a different atmosphere and then had lunch out on the deck. Very nice. Also, she also left out a key part of our day where we were trying to repair a storm window and I smashed her fingers between panes of glass. (laughs) No way. That also happened today. (laughs) That's not good. It's kind. We're fine. And the window's repaired. So there you go. Good job. Nice. So I hear you listened to your first episode recently. Was that enough of a taste for you or have you dove in deeper? I have most definitely dove in deeper. That was false information that it was my first listening. Um, Might have been the first that Keith witnessed me listening, but I have listened to probably not all of them in their entirety. But yeah, I really enjoy the podcast and I find out information that I wouldn't otherwise and have learned a lot from it also. Nice. Do you guys uh, discuss like new topic ideas? Do you provide feedback on like Keith? Why'd you say that? That was silly. (laughs) no no i mean we don't i mean i feel like we will talk about things and then maybe they're somehow addressed on the podcast or i'll listen to one and we'll talk more about what you all talked about but i don't give much feedback no mostly she gives me feedback on what her other friends or family are telling her about the podcast versus what they're not telling me and then that gets filtered through her Mostly it's that everyone really feels like they've gotten to know Keith and Thomas. I mean, my friends like know awesome. of Thomas, but not who he is. Yeah. Do you find words. do you find yourself listening more because your husband has a podcast or because your brother has a podcast? Ooh. <laughs> I think the mix, I think the combo is pretty fascinating. Do you guys find when you listen to the podcast that so okay to listen to it? Oftentimes she'll just she'll listen to it with uh, speakers, not through headphones. And so I'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I enjoy hearing it. And then all of a sudden my voice comes on and I just cringe. Do you guys do the same when you hear your voice via speakers or is it just me? <laughs> so I said in an earlier podcast that Jess thinks I sound funny and I also do, too. And then I listened to that episode after recorded and Tyler's comment was, don't we all? And I didn't know if he meant about himself or that everyone thinks I sound funny. <laughs> and as I was listening to it in, in my uh, own home, actually, while I was working out, I like paused. I was like, wait. What did he mean by that? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I don't like hearing so myself. So, no. yeah, I think everyone thinks that they sound funny. Unfortunately for me, I get to hear each episode about four or five times as I'm <laughs> editing it. So uh, I'm kind of over it at this point. But, Getting yes, used to it. I think we all sound funny. I find that I have an exhale after I say things that I'm trying to eliminate as I learn how to podcast more. So apologies for any listeners that are annoyed by that. Amazing. Okay, well, back to our, our guest Kate, we like to start anytime we have a guest with hearing how their lives have changed. So let's start there. Um, Okay. So I would say at first it was definitely abrupt. Uh, We got a call from school on Thursday, would have been like March 12th, I think, that school was no longer going to be in session. We only had one day left before spring break anyways, but we had big projects due and whatever. Anyway, so initially... The biggest change was having four kids home 24-7. We had kind of gotten used to weeks where I had three mornings a week. I only had our youngest, Maxine, home, who's two. 
for a three-hour stint. And then in the afternoon, the girls would take naps. So I had a little bit of time to myself to do whatever that looked like. And we went very abruptly to all kids home all the time with no extracurriculars, no grandparents' house or anything. So that was, I would say, the biggest, most abrupt change. And how quickly faced. would you say that you guys found your new stride? Was it pretty quick or has, are you guys still finding that new stride? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like we're, I, I would say we have found a rhythm now. Again, it was called off the Friday before spring break. So spring break looked a little different anyways. We didn't make him do schoolwork. There was just kind of no structure. Let's find stuff that's fun to do to fill that week. And then that Monday is when I feel like we tried to kind of establish what the days are going to look like. And so, yeah, I, I think that was kind of some growing pains, but I feel like now we found a rhythm. And was this something that you guys just completely found on your own? Or was it in talking to your siblings or other friends about the rhythms that they're finding? Like, how did you guys figure out, okay, this feels comfortable and checking in with other people, it also seems like we're doing what other people are doing, or was that not part of it? Uh, yeah, I think it was part of it. The school kind of rolled out some learning packets that we used, especially at the beginning, to kind of gauge where our kids were, what they should be learning, how much time that would take. Turned out the packet took about 20 minutes <laughs> daily, which was a little bit of a shock to us. We were like, oh, you're already done with that packet um our, our kids are high achievers sure. <laughs> <laughs> i think they were just like let's if we get this done maybe we'll be done for the day so the school has been helpful and the teachers have reached out and then yeah just kind of talking to other parents our siblings also keith was kind of the one i felt like i was reeling for a little bit longer than than keith was on this whole change and i mean he was instrumental in saying okay we're going to start school at this time. We're going to end school at this time. This is what the afternoons could look like. And so kind of, yeah, have adjusted and filled out the days. So in a pie chart of your life, how much time of your pie chart was attributed to direct care of your kids pre-COVID-19? And how has it changed to now? Like, have you guys found ways to carve out time for your kids to occupy themselves? Or are you guys on duty all the time? Um, For sure. I feel like and I've talked with some friends, too, that I've found. We used to, I feel like, in times where, let's say, after school, I would, I would think, okay, what are we going to do in the time between now and when Keith comes home to fill the space, to give them something fun to do, creative to do, kind of the part of me wanting to just, like, create things for them to do. And I've found, especially in this time, we don't have the stamina to do that all day, every day. And so in the afternoon, after school work's done, after naps are done, they have just more free time. And they have gotten very creative. They've gotten along better. I mean, until they don't get along. And then they get along again. So the mornings are pretty intense. And the school is very hands-on for Keith and I both. With four different learning paths that we're trying to like lead them down kind of the constant questions from each of them uh, and needing help on all the parts and stuff so um then yeah that then the afternoon is a little bit more free two questions i think one has a school continued to be as hands-on as they were in those first few weeks as much as they can be or do they feel i feel like there was an increase in their their involvement decrease in their involvement from the school side yeah i feel like they have pray they have stayed pretty on top of it and have gotten more organized in what they I mean this is such a learning curve for everyone and very much so for the teachers but they have stayed routine uh, where we are now is both Ben and Cal's teachers send a week-long schedule either Sunday night or Monday morning of the work that's to be done as well as daily projects and then both Ben and Cal have daily hour-long zoom meetings with their class 
and that has stayed oh. very consistent. That's cool. Like the first two weeks of this, we were like, where is the school? And now they've been, they've increased in their consistency, which is good. Gotcha. Oh, that is good to hear. And then do you feel like they're really growing tired of the stay at home order? Like, are you seeing it? Like, cause for us, Tucker could not care less about the fact <laughs> that we're stuck at home or doing the things we're doing. There's no uh, exhaustion of, oh my gosh, I'm tired of this lifestyle. From the different age groups, are you seeing a lot of different frustration with go- what's going on or no real change? Well, rolling off of spring break, there was no stay-at-home order yet. And so we got to see cousins. We actually went to Branson and stayed just solely in a house, but it was still like out of the house, a trip or whatever. And then... Yeah. So I think that the expectation of let's do something, let's see people in the beginning, we just had to say like, this isn't going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. Then once that they knew that that was going to be the answer, continuing to be the answer, they haven't really asked. I mean, they just know even actually, even when we went and said hi to our, our parents on Easter, Ben was like, wait, I thought we couldn't get in the car. And I was like, oh, did I say that once to you? But <laughs> it just like, it, yeah, they are, they remind us, but the coronavirus. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yep. So, I mean, I think though that they, there's that desire, but they'll just say when the coronavirus is over, can we, right. when this ends? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, there's four rooms, so it's fun to just be home and do things. And the nice weather has made all the difference in the world to gotcha. be able to go outside. Yeah. We're always looking for silver linings and everything, and this one's a little bit of a stretch, and I haven't thought too much about it, but I was talking to a friend, PJ Heyer, and we were talking about how we both have just consumed our lives with all of these projects, and we're busier than ever. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the way we were raised and how much unsupervised time we had. And so when I think about my childhood, I remember running around the neighborhood completely unsupervised what seemed like the entire summer. And occasionally I'd have camps, occasionally I would have classes or workshops, et cetera, or piano lessons. But I feel as though the majority of my childhood was spent having to come up with things to do, activities, using my imagination, et cetera. And I do wonder if this is a healthy break for kids that I feel as though have very structured lives and that we kind of shuffle people from one thing to the next. There's a ton of emphasis on extracurriculars now, I think far more than when we were all kids. And so I wonder if there might be some good curiosity muscles being stretched right now for people. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, one of the silver linings for us, for sure, is the less hectic schedule. I mean, we were just kind of getting into the soccer practices that butted into the basketball practices, the summers that had swim lessons. But I would say as a family, we're pretty unstructured. We don't do a ton, a ton of extra stuff yet. But it is nice just to have like the Tuesdays and Thursday nights where we're here, everyone could cook dinner together. It's not like we leave for practice before Keith gets home from work and then we're doing a super late dinner and pushing for bedtime because we're getting up super early to get to school again. Just a more relaxed schedule and yeah, causing everyone to use their creativity and just using the space and time that's given to them right now. Yeah, right now we're up in our podcast closet. All we did was tell our kids to be quiet. I have no idea where they are right now. They're being very, very quiet. Nice. (laughs) That's amazing. All right, well. Let's shift gears a little bit. So as Keith has shared, you recently started working again. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I now have been staying home for seven years, but previously had worked full time as a recreational director at different senior living communities. 
And so stepped out of that role, as Keith had shared, um, once we had our second son and decided we were just going to pull that bandaid off and make the necessary sacrifices so that I could be home with the kids as I just had always desired to be. So left that career knowing that I really loved it, but that there was there was going to be more time in life for work, but I couldn't make up for the time I was missing with my kids. So then, yeah, once we found out Made in KC was closing down, I updated my really outdated resume, kind of laughably. <laughs> I was like, how do I remember when any of this happened? Found that there was a lot of openings in senior living healthcare. Yeah, even in the midst of the pandemic, they're actively... Yeah. That was that was one of the first questions we asked was like, okay, we know this is going on. You guys obviously know this is going on. Are you still hiring? Everyone's like, right. yes. Because yes, I was yes. like, I don't know how much they're going to be hiring. Like, they're definitely not going to want to bring non-essentials. But when they're trying to fill those essential spots, obviously, pandemic or not, the caregivers are needed. So that happened remarkably fast. Sent in resumes, got on job websites, and just put in as many applications as I could. Got calls and interviews and then a job within what, a week and a half. And then they said, come whenever you're ready. Like we're ready for you now. So jumped fully into that. It was hard. It was, I mean, it looked, I think it looked okay. I think emotionally for me, it was a really hard transition. It happened very fast and came out of a source of need instead of a source of excitement of me to go back to work, which I knew I wanted to do one day, but I didn't know that I was going to be walking out of a house where my husband and four kids were, where they were going to stay home all day. So, so I, I'm at a senior living community. I work in the memory care section of the community. And so there are residents with all different varying levels of dementia. From the beginning, it was masks on all day, every day for staff, not for the residents who live there. Um, it is temperatures taken before you walk in the doors, temperatures taken midday, and temperatures taken before we leave, and they're recorded. They're also taking temperatures of the residents who are living there, obviously, multiple times a day, just as a quick initial indicator of if you're healthy. No one essential is coming in or out of the doors. Most importantly, I think for the residents, that means family, friends that would come and visit are not allowed to come in. And then even things that are mailed or sanitized before they're passed down to anyone else. So, they even banned some interesting things. What did you just tell me? Yeah, so live. Yeah, Mother's Day is coming up, which is really really rough holiday for senior living communities for families not to be able to visit it. And they're also saying fresh flowers are not going to be permitted. I think it's just, those aren't something that can easily be sanitized and not harmed. I mean, we're talking like, you know, fully sprayed down and wiped down and stuff. Yeah. So it's just the essential staff. And at first, yeah, I think it was a hard transition, but then when you get there, when I get there and I see that those essential caregivers are there, they've been showing up. There has been no hesitation on their part to come and perform their essential jobs every single day and night, day in, day out. It was easy to jump on board with that, and it became quickly a new normal. Gotcha. And so, yeah, does work feel like, um, do you kind of lose sense of this time and this moment that we're living in? Or are you kind of reminded every single minute and every single action that, all of your processes, all of your actions are different and augmented because of coronavirus. Honestly, aside from the mask being on my face and the face of all my coworkers on a daily basis, which is just now something we've gotten used to, I would say otherwise, it was, yeah, it is easy for me to slip in, slip into work and the community there and kind of forget that we are living in this time of the coronavirus because it's just normal daily life for them. And then I leave work and I, yeah, 
I can take off my mask, but then I sanitize in the car and then I sneak into the garage and down to the basement where I have a clean change of clothes and I fully wash and sanitize before I greet my family. I feel like it'd be really challenging to be in a new work environment and having to remember people's names like coworkers and other people that are are part of the staff and not having over half their face to visually see and remember names and remember who you're interacting with. It it is. Yep. It'll be, it'll be interesting when this is over. I stepped into this work environment amongst this pandemic. And so it'll be interesting to see what is different when that's over. So you've been out and about a lot more than I have. I've been spending the vast majority of my time inside and the time that I'm not spending inside is really just walking around the neighborhood. Do you feel as though that the normal that you have at work is something that most of America can absolutely step into and that we can make this a new normal with a lot of hand washing, a lot of sanitization as businesses start to open up again? Do you feel like pretty confident that, yeah, America is totally up to this challenge. We can do this for another 18 months until vaccines are rolled out. Um, I mean, I would say I do in some ways and I don't. I feel good doing what I'm doing because I know it's essential. We're deemed essential staff. Um, They gave us cards to carry in our cars. So should we get pulled over, we can present it and say we're essential staff going to work. Um, I think it's become the new normal because I've been doing it now for, you know, going on four weeks. But I don't necessarily think I am not fully confident that it's the right thing to do yet. Does part of that answer come from the you feel so you're an essential worker, so you guys are doing things you have to do and trying to be as safe as possible. But during that process, do you feel like there's a lot of opportunity for errors or opportunity for uh, errors is a strange word, but risk of spreading virus still in in what you're doing? Or do you feel like, yeah, these procedures being taken, this could be a really sound process and not really putting anybody else at risk? Or is it more, yeah, this is definitely still at risk. It's mitigated, but there's still a lot of risk here. But we got to do this as essential workers. So we're doing the best we can. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I think the second part, I think that we all as essential caregivers going into this community are held at a standard where we, um, we're taking it very seriously and doing our part to do everything we can to keep these residents healthy. So I just hope that when we emerge back into the world that we're used to, that people are still taking that seriously. But that means everyone has to do their part. Yeah, we're we're only as good as the least responsible, weakest individual that we interact with in an environment. Just a few more questions on this topic. Do you feel as though your work environment is prepared if you guys found um, that people were sick with coronavirus? Do you feel confident in the plan that you have in place? I do. The home office company stated that they are being the most transparent that they can, that the most information and the most straightforward we can be with the residents, with the residents' families, with staff, and the rest of our surrounding community, the better. They have a a counter on the website for each community to say how many positive cases of COVID-19 there are, um, and that will continue to be updated. And just communicating everything we can to families and to staff, because the worst that can be right now is people doubting your sense of seriousness about this. So I do feel like they've put a lot of things in place and other communities who have had positive cases of this. We've been able to see that play out and learn from that, but also commend them for doing the job that they're doing. So should it come, I think we will do the best that we can. Yeah, they have they have facilities across the country, across the country. So about 12 different states 
which is kind of interesting to watch how uh, one particular facility in Iowa has been hit harder than any other one at this time. So, yeah, we've, we've been keeping a close eye on that. And I think from what I've seen on their website and what Kate's relayed, they've been doing a really good job. And it really wasn't until recently that the CDC um, and the government have now mandated that these facilities start reporting these cases. And so I think we'll see, unfortunately, see a lot more cases become reported since that mandate's been issued. Um, but I think everyone is well aware that this is a higher risk population and that they are going to do the best job to, to continue to protect those individuals. And related to that question, Kate, I haven't spent a lot of time looking into this. Do you want to either speculate or have you heard from other coworkers why certain nursing homes have struggled so much with uh, rampant spread of cases? Is it Does it have to do with just the nature of the environment? Does it have to do with us being surprised at times or not having the proper procedures in place? And if it's something that you don't feel qualified to speak to, that's also totally fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm qualified to speak about it, but just from observation, it is obviously the nature of the communities. Individuals, you know, dealing with different levels of dementia, the short-term memory of not remembering that I said that you need to social distance or maybe thinking I'm going to go wash my hands, but then not remembering what I was supposed to do or just living in close proximity as you would a college dorm. So there's that aspect of it. There's also the aspect of the people that work there, the, you know, the team of caregivers that I am working with are essential. And like I said, in the beginning of this, when I knew I was going to look for employment, they are, they are hiring. They need staff. And so it's not as if someone just has the ability or the privilege to quarantine themselves because they think that they came in contact with a neighbor who came in contact with someone that had COVID. Like you are expected to be at work and these people are going to be here to take care of others. And there's not necessarily the privilege of calling in a whole second team to come and take care of residents. Well, thanks for stepping into that role and um, shifting this back towards your work-life balance. Have you found any silver lining in escaping the house for three (laughs) three days a week? Um, This is probably the the most you've seen Keith in a really long time, I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, the silver lining for me is I I do, I am a homebody. I like being around my family. I like that Keith is home. I liked the idea of everyone like staying home and staying safe. And so the most that we can do that, I enjoy. And like I said, the not the hustle and bustle of coming home from school and work and heading off to practice and things like that has been enjoyable for me for the most part. Obviously with six people in one house, we're kind of can get on each other's nerves or people just need time and space for themselves. I would say though, Previous to working in kind of part of what was overwhelming for me was the day in and day out of of the days seeming the same, kind of the monotony of what, if we let it, that could look like um, for the kids and for us and having the same thing where we need to homeschool. Um, there's not gonna, We're not going anywhere. We're going to be in the same space. And so the days kind of blend together and could get dreary if we let them. But this going to work, I just go Monday, Wednesday, Friday has, I think, helped a routine for everyone. You know, the kids say, oh, is this a work day for you or not a work day? They know what the work days look look like for me. They know what when I stay home, what those are going to look like. And so it's kind of helped the days tick by, honestly, the pattern, the rhythm we've gotten into. And I would say by the end of my work day, I'm excited for my day home. And by the end of my home day, I'm excited for the challenge of going back to work. 
Cool. Kate, thanks so much for sharing all that. And yeah, just from a brother's perspective, and I, I've told you this, but just impressive to see you step up and, and do what you got to do during this time. And it's just an immense amount of change from everything that's going on. So it's just, yeah, a constant reminder of your strength. But on a lighter note, do you have anything uh, hugely embarrassing that you can share with us uh, about Keith? Oh, wow. Hugely, hugely embarrassing. No. <laughs> or just mildly funny. It doesn't have to be particularly embarrassing. Just anything that you think our listeners should know about Keith. I mean, I would say, I mean, and I think people know this from working on them. It's not necessarily mildly funny, but just he is, he is definitely like the cleaner when space like clean and organized is constantly forwarding me emails or different posts about minimizing items in our house or getting rid of more things. Kate, you, you said people that's who funny. work... That's just, what you wanted to share with the, No, he just said our, funny. I'm you like, said oh. people who work with him would know this. Have you seen his desk at work? No, I actually haven't seen it in a while. Is it pretty mess? Is it pretty dirty? Yeah. <laughs> also, okay, surface level, I was like, what are things that I know about Keith that people don't know? Surface level things, I would say, number one, that my family thinks is funny and like to share is that Keith does not like cheese. Like, he does, <laughs> he doesn't like it. My family and I will buy giant hunks of cheese from Costco, and I will consume over time the entire thing. Um, he does not like cheese at all, although his favorite <laughs> food is pizza. So I don't know about that. That was one of the uh, most entertaining. We accidentally ordered a pizza for lunch at work one day. And I think it was literally just pizza crust and sauce because they misunderstood what was happening with what we're trying to not have on the cheese. And <laughs> Keith, Keith found it to be his favorite pizza of all time. And I said, that's that's his breadsticks and marinara sauce. There's no, That's not a pizza. That's not a piece. That's right. I mean, he never went down. When we were married, I remember specifically going to the grocery store for the first time, and he just whizzed right by the cheese. When we first got married. We're still married. Yeah, when we first got married. (laughs) Uh, He just, like, whizzed right by the cheese and yogurt and all that section, and I was like, what are you doing? And we just, like, loaded. I mean, yeah. He had yogurt for the first time. I mean, life-changing. Yeah, I would say on a more personal note, though, things that maybe you don't know about Keith or things that I am like constantly, I'm just keep being surprised by is that he, he wants to be around everyone all the time. He wants people over all the time. He loves randomly dropping by people's houses and loves when people randomly drop by our house. He thinks it's really great. And I'm always like, you can't just stop in. We have to call them. And he's like, let's just knock on the door. Do you guys have uh, lawn chairs out so if I came by, we could socially distance for a happy hour? I mean, we sit, we sit in the back of the pickup truck. Look, Keith is uh, looking around right now. Literally, <laughs> as you're saying that, he's looking around because he's always like, "Yes, we're ready. We're ready for this plan." I mean, one of the most. I mean, this came up like when Ben was born, our first kid. Obviously, he had to go to the NICU, so nobody could see him. But Keith still invited all of our friends up to the hospital where they awkwardly stood in our hospital room and looked at me and looked at Keith. <laughs> and no, no there was baby, no baby, friends. no baby to be seen. He just loves it. He so loves all the people. So you're better suited for shelter at home life or stay at home life than Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that's something we definitely miss is like getting to see Thomas has shared. I mean, we are super close with our family. We have family yeah. dinners every single week that we really miss. The kids super miss our church, our church, small group, you know, people we see on the weekly basis. And just Friday night pizza parties with friends and things like that, that we are very much missing. But yeah, probably Keith more than me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we will all continue to do our part so that hopefully we can have that part of our lives back soon. Any other closing thoughts, guys? We just can't. We can't leave Thomas hanging. We got to have one embarrassing uh, sibling story between you and Thomas to share. Yeah, any. Which, there's like so many questions. There's so many embarrassing things about Thomas. I mean, Thomas grew up with three sisters, so he was definitely outnumbered in the house and just was kind of roped into any games or creative things that we were doing. Oftentimes that was Barbies and Thomas would make his own family out of, you know, like a Ken doll and maybe somebody else. But he instead, we would be like, okay, everyone go to sleep now. And Thomas would say, oh, no, my guy's going to go on a night drive. (laughs) Zoom the Barbie convertible all over the basement and just say he took night drives, which in retrospect. Yeah, we had some pretty cool. We had some pretty cool Barbie vehicles that I think my dad bought intentionally. And it wasn't really playing Barbies for me. It was just playing cars. Like, but I actually had humans to put in those cars. So I drive around nonstop. Yep, exactly. That's all his family did was drive around the cars that was pretty fun um, yep so he just got roped into doing things like that all the time when we played house sometimes we'd make him be our like girlfriend and so his his name was always Susie, and we'd find like a dress and a hat for him to put on yeah there's plenty of incriminating photos of I was gonna say, mom took so many pictures of Susie. it was yeah amazing. they're out there they've popped up at most any any large occasion of my life weddings graduations <laughs> you name it there's typically a picture of me in a dress that's involved somehow so it's all right. I'm not too worried about it. He's a good sport, though, that's for sure. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. For everyone listening, if you have any thoughts or comments, please reach out to us at hello at madeinkc.co, and you can find us on Twitter at madeinkc underscore. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.